I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Internet Marketing. to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing, and today I'm joined by Miranda Birch. Uh, Miranda, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you very much. I'm going to ask you who you are, because I, I think you're quite famous. <laughs> well, that's a lovely, lovely start. I'll leave you to, to dwell in that area of delusion. But yes, yeah. I, I'm Miranda Birch. And I set up my company about four years ago, but it was after a long stint at the BBC, a long, happy stint at the BBC of around 24 years, mm. where I worked on programmes like BBC Radio 4, National Network in the UK, Woman's Hour and Desert Island Disc, which has been going for more than 70 years. And I also helped to launch a new digital network in 2001, which is like the dark ages, isn't it, in the digital oh, area, yeah, yeah. where we were broadcasting to nine to 11 year olds who aren't well known for loving speech radio. They're much more interested in music and computer games, but we launched it nevertheless. And it had a webcam and it had audio on demand, which sounds very, very ancient now, but at the time was quite cutting edge. So that was lovely. Yeah. And yes, so that was my 24 years at the BBC. And it was great. And you, you, you were involved with uh, Woman's Hour and Desert Island Discs, were you? Yes, that's right. I was behind the scenes. I wasn't the on-air presence, but mm. I was behind the scenes searching out stories, unearthing news angles, headlines. And I suppose that that's what I do now is from those days, really having in-depth conversations with potential guests, castaways on Des Island Risk and yeah. finding out what parts of their journey made them significant, what made them special and often helping them open their eyes to just how amazing they were because you can imagine a lot of castaways, Nobel Prize winning scientists and business leaders had often achieved at the age of 10, which I could never dream of achieving before I hit my 60s. You know, they were really yeah. amazing. So yeah. that's what I was, I love doing that. I feel like saying and our first record is, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have. Yes, if, if you, you're not familiar with the programme, it's eight special discs that you take to your island. And I bet you've got eight up your sleeve that you'd play. But... Oh, God, I'd, I'd really have to think about that. Anyway, let's not get yes. distracted because I'm, I'm, I'm famous for getting distracted and distracting my desks, even my guests. Um, so, uh, OK, so basically you're, you're very good at sort of interviewing people and getting stories out of people and stuff like that. And that's what I want to explore today because I, I think that stories make great content and content is very very um sort of high on the agenda is that the right phraseology in in today's sort of marketing or certainly online marketing world what benefits does the process of being interviewed 
bring to businesses, would you say? You know, businesses who want to produce good content. Well, I, I think you're absolutely right, isn't it? We live in a world of, of content marketing. And of course, the podcast at Site Visibility is a really good example, isn't it? It just mm. shows that if you run your own business and you've grown it over 5, 10, 15 years, you build up all that expertise, you know, all the challenges you've overcome. Yeah. So you're in a really good position to become your own publisher. So like Site Visibility, obviously, you're producing brilliant what were in the olden days radio programs. They just happen to be audio podcasts. Yeah. And I'd say the same of any business. And you might like writing weekly news articles or magazine or becoming your own video vlogger. So all of that is at your disposal. But I, I think where I go back to my journalistic and program making days is obviously to do that, to produce that content that's really going to grab your audience. You have to be really clear in your own mind a, what you want to say, and B, who that audience is. So going back to my days of working on Radio 4 and you were regularly broadcasting to the movers and shakers, business leaders, politicians, mm. very different to the 9 to 11-year-old audience on what was the old BBC7 digital network. I mean, it seems obvious, but it, it's having that journalistic nous to think, okay, what is it? What part of my story, what part of my values, the challenges I've overcome is really going to grab the attention of my potential potential clients who may be any age, different parts of the world. Yeah. So it's, it's that dual thing of looking back over your shoulder at the journey that you've been on, picking out the bits that are really going to persuade that audience that you really are an expert in your field. You really care about your work. You're not just coasting towards retirement. Those little strands of your story mm. that then grab your your audience attention and that I suppose that's what I bring now and that's what I love doing with businesses because let's face it they put a lot on the line don't they often yeah. to deliver products and services and that's that's what makes their stories compelling and it's it's trying to get those things unearth those goodies um, that yeah. persuade their audience they really do mean business as it were excuse the pun I didn't mean that <laughs> so um you know, interviewing, uh, sort of taking the interviewing approach does work particularly well for owner-managed businesses, doesn't it, Miranda? Why do you think that is? I think it, it's at two levels. One is what what I've just mentioned, which is about often if you've set up your own business, mm. you've worked late into the night, you've sacrificed, you know, you, you, your family, your weekends, whatever, your house is mortgaged or whatever, you've gone through that phase and you've built it up. So there are the beginnings of what, you know, olden fairy tales and folk tales, that those senses of drama, the challenges, the baddies that you overcome. But I think as well, why I gravitate to that sort of person is often they're really busy in yeah. their day-to-day. -day. They're managing teams, they're juggling accounts, they're thinking about their positioning and their branding. And so if you could just stop for a moment, and I think often this comes when a client or a colleague gives you a bit of feedback and they, they say, you, thanks so much for hitting that deadline or, you know, you, I look forward to working to you. And they say something off the cuff and it makes you stop and take stock. Yeah. And look back and think, oh, yeah, that's right. I've always been good with people. Or at school, I always delivered my essays on time or, or whatever it may be. And it makes you think back. And I think that process of just taking stock for, say, an hour-long conversation where – you know, if you're working with a journalist, but it could be a friend or colleague who are just asking you open questions about how you began and what yeah. matters to you and what you find rewarding. Mm. Those open questions, which are quite journalistic, often elicit really interesting stages and milestones of your story, which mm. then you can convert into blog posts and articles or help you frame where you stand in the marketplace. You know, if you stop and pause, often what you care about may be very different to what your competitors care about. So it's to Stilling 
your distinctiveness, if you like, by having that open conversation mm-hmm. with a third party asking you questions, which is because I'm very curious. And as I sell my website, I can't help getting an inane, inane smile when I'm talking to people. I just find it fascinating seeing how companies come into being and yeah. the lengths people go to to do it. So that that if you can capture that and then distill it and carve it up, then you can have some really great content on your website. And uh, people, especially entrepreneurs, they love being, they, they love answering questions, don't they? They love talking about themselves. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, everyone loves talking about themselves. But that leads me on to another thing, actually, because um, there's, there's, there's a couple of uh, sort of questions, I think, that are still quite prevalent out there. I think, I think people think sort of, you mentioned about the history and people talking about their stories. I just wondered how far back someone needs to go when they're talking about that. But also off the back of that, do you think it pays to be honest? I mean, what if you did something really silly? Do you think it's sort of uh, good to be honest about it and, and, and weave that into the story as well? Okay, so two questions there. So Two for the price of one. Sorry, I keep doing that. No, 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 that's good. So going, how far back do you go? First of all, I would say from my experience, you go back much further than you would think. Um, because I think often if you're working in a professional sphere and you're putting on your professional face and saying, right, this is my business and my qualifications are a diploma or a certificate or I did some vocational training. So especially if you're on a professional service like accounting or architecture, you tend to start from that moment when you were studying and you had something on paper to prove that you had that expertise. Yeah. And all of that is really important, of course. Often you do need that sort of official recognition and that may come through client testimonials or whatever. But I think when I talk to entrepreneurs and the founders of businesses, often you go back to childhood actually and you think back to particular skills. So I'll I'll give an example of a business. It's uh, Crunch Accounting, which Mm. is one of the fastest growing businesses, I think, in the UK. And I interviewed one of the co-founders and CEO, Darren Fell, at a, a chamber lunch. And when I asked him, because he's not an accountant, he's the entrepreneurial side mm. of this partnership. And I said, well, where does that come from? And he said, well, my sisters had an end of year dance show and I teamed up with my dad and we produced videos of the show and we sold them at about £10 a pop. Yeah. Now, other boys that I know were probably playing with Lego, nothing wrong with that. But it's when people tell stories of that, and then he goes on to say that he invented a pressure pad outside his bedroom. So when you stepped on it, it, it gave him full warning that an adult was about to enter the room or whatever. <laughs> You know, and you think that inventiveness, that creativity is why he should be managing this accountancy system, which basically is aimed at other creative people, entrepreneurs Mm. who, let's be honest, probably aren't that great at maths and want to get on with the business of inventing or creating and need something like Crunch or any other accountant to take that hassle away from them. Mm. And Darren understands that because at the age of 10, he was being entrepreneurial. So it's when you trace your steps back, and I could apply that. There are lots of stories like that on my blog. Um, there's an architect that I interviewed who, whose grandfather invented a snowplow in his garage when it was snowing heavily in Devon. Yeah. Now, most people tinker about, again, a source of creativity. And you're probably thinking, well, so what? That, what does that prove? And I would say that adds value. And again, in terms of content, yes, you may have a profile page which lists all your academic achievements and the fact you're chartered. But so your competitors will have a similar list of degrees and formal qualifications. Yeah. So what sets you apart often are stories like that that demonstrate and prove to your audience that actually you really love your work as well. Yes, you went through the mill and got all those qualifications. 
months. But actually, you started way back. It's another way of saying 10,000 hours, isn't it? Does it take 10,000 hours to be yeah. an expert? Well, actually, that's another way of saying it, isn't it? In an approachable human way, which if you go back to the cliche of businesses doing people with business, which I totally buy into, yeah. then of course, those stories are a way of fleshing out your CV and really demonstrating that you care about your, your work. So, you know, stories are really important. And it shows there's a real person behind uh, them, doesn't it? Rehuming being, yes, yes. And yes, of course, when, if you've done something particularly silly, now, I, I suppose I'd turn the question back at you and say, what do you mean by silly? Because, of course, silly oh, could be that... Classic mistakes, you know, classic business mistakes, maybe, or, or, or getting something wrong and it cost, you know, the business went back a bit or the business was going in reverse and you had to quickly reverse. Just things like that yes. that you might be a bit embarrassed about, I suppose. Yes. Well, I would say... It depends. If you've learned from those mistakes and they made you stronger, and depending on, as long as you're not ranging into criminal activity. Yes, yes. You know, so if often I think people. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Attention is grabbed by a challenge. And often that is learning from your mistakes. And I have a video on my website which says I'm, I'm not that great at maths and I find bookkeeping quite onerous. Mm. And should I really be admitting that as a, a business owner? And actually encountering someone who finds business accounting as exciting as surfing opened my eyes actually to a different way of looking at math. So I, on my own website, admit to some of my deficiencies. So in a sense, when you admit to your deficiencies and then explain how you may have overcome them, overcome those challenges, that makes you more human. And I would say as long as the outcome is something that you have learned and applied, then probably it is worth telling that story. Yes. But you have to make a judgment call, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but don't be afraid to show what you think are your vulnerabilities because often it's by overcoming those vulnerabilities. It's rather like the old fairy tales. If Snow White had just breezed through the forest and eaten as many apples, eaten as many apples as she wanted and yeah. never encountered a witch, so what? Yeah. But 
the very fact that she had to deal with a baddie makes her more interesting and everyone's human and has vulnerabilities. So if you've learned from that, I would say what was a silly mistake can actually show your strengths in the end if you can show how you've got through it. Yeah. But you have to make a judgment call, I think. Yeah, I think you have to decide very carefully, don't you? Yes. Does that answer your two questions? It it does answer my two questions. I was also wondering, you you alluded to the process of like telling, you know, the the person being interviewed, telling their story out loud. And I was wondering how that helps you as a a business leader or a team leader. Yes. Again, I think from experience, what I witness, and again, you may notice this as well, when someone gives you feedback or you're in conversation with something, they may something about you, about you meeting a deadline. And you've always taken that ability to hit a deadline for granted. And just having someone else say it about you, Mm. or you say it yourself in a different way, it makes you stop and think. And it helps you see the full extent of your your skills and and expertise. Um, So when people have talked about how they began a long time ago, I know Darren said to me afterwards, you know, I hadn't really thought about myself being an entrepreneur at that early age. And it Mm. suddenly opens your eyes to the Mm. fact that actually the skills that you thought you had are much wider and the passion you had, and I suppose that's the other thing, is when you start reliving those moments where you really enjoyed your work or you got your first client or you did a first pitch and it went really well, you relive those moments and suddenly it floods you with that emotion. I don't know, you just think back to a moment where you felt really proud of yourself. So in talking about it, you become more energetic, your delivery speeds up and you become more engaging. Yeah, Because people, don't you get spurred on when someone's getting really into the flow and warming to their theme and you think, wow, they, they're impressive. They really enjoy what they're doing. Again, it goes back to you're not really coasting. You, you really do love what you do. Yeah. So when you're reliving those moments, A, it gives you an idea of all the skills you've got at your disposal and B, it it reminds you of your your passion. And I suppose I, an example I came across was um, somebody who's who set up a system, and there are quite a few of these systems around, but he spent 15 years developing a system yeah. which helps people identify their strengths at work. And when he was telling that story of going through Jungian studies and analysis, you really understand the lengths he's gone to. And, and you know, you were talking about setbacks and moments where you doubt yourself. And he had those moments too. But you came out at the end thinking he's been on this 15-year journey. This is a wonderful system he's created. He's put his heart and soul into it. Wow, I'm impressed. Yeah. So it's that, it's the what you say and how you say it. And then the insights you gain as you're talking and you look back and you think, wow, actually, I've done quite well over the 15 years. I really have made progress. Yeah. So have you ever, have you ever been interviewing someone and they've, uh, they've come up with, a, with a, a new idea during the interview? They've certainly come up with insights about themselves. So, and I'll be honest, sometimes people get quite heated and occasionally there are tears welling up in their eyes because they suddenly realize that the value of what they're doing is much more powerful than they've given credit for. So I suppose something that I did, I did quite a big project. I call it speed storytelling on my site because I I recorded with with a filmmaker 40 interviews over two days, which was quite some going. And um, and they they were all stylists for House of Colour, which is you know, a big, big company. Um, and on the surface, you'd think, oh, well, it's just about colour and style. That's quite superficial. But actually, they've been going for 30 years and they know there's this virtuous circle. And you've, you've probably encountered it when you're networking and someone's looking surreptitiously at their watch or 
over your shoulder and you suddenly think, oh, I'm not making much of an impact here. And you feel a bit small and you think, oh, what can I do to grab their attention? Yeah. Or you're, you're networking and someone's watching you with rapt attention. You think, oh, that's good. And they, House of Colour, recognise that, that there's a, this wonderful circle between what you present to the world and how people respond to you and how confident that makes you feel. And that's that's the context in which they work in terms of colour and style, that it's not just pretty colours. It really is. It does make a difference to how you're perceived. And that goes for men as, for, as well as for women. But so you move from this apparently superficial sector of colour and style to something that's much more weighty that, you know, actually how you present yourself to the outside world is like mm. a core skill. It should be part of the MBA or a life skill. But how do you articulate that? And I think in the 40 stories that I talk to stylists about they were all and this is another technique that you can use to make your content more compelling and more engaging mm. is just go down into the detail so with each of them what I was doing was drilling down to that moment when they wore the right colour and it made a huge difference to them to the extent that one woman said well I kept getting promotions and I could mm. only understand that it was down to how I looked yeah. or someone a speaker a male speaker doubled his fees as a result of of understanding what he looked good in and how he presented himself to the world. So when you drill down into that specific moment and you're recapturing what they felt at that moment and the amazement when they got a 22% pay rise or they, they won a pitch and they didn't really say anything, that comes out in their story. The story only lasts about two minutes, but the, the audience can really understand the difference that colour and style, they may have thought rather superficial subject actually makes a huge difference to someone's yeah. life to their business and if you're a business owner how you present yourself your shop front is really important and I can't really remember remember your question Andy safe to say you know it does make a difference yeah. when you focus on an on a story and yeah. then people watch that and and are really impressed by it yeah, I had remembered the question actually. It, it was, it, I think it was, it was um, have people come up with ideas while you've been interviewing them? Yes, um, and I suppose that's what I witnessed that they did. Yeah. They suddenly saw themselves in a new light and they understood the full value of what they were doing as stylists. Yes, yeah. in answer to your question. I mean, we, we've talk, so we've talked about sort of like sort of telling your story and, and maybe being interviewed. I've just got one final question actually. It's, it's, it's a bit of a left field question, so don't worry if you, if you struggle a bit with this one. But you're probably like me, you're probably biased towards audio because of your sort of work in the radio industry. But do you have any sort of opinions on sort of like audio versus no text versus video in terms of these stories? I think, again, it always goes back to your audience. Mm. Um, and funnily enough, I've written about it on my blog very recently that what you choose and how you decide to deliver your story. So you're absolutely right. I may have a conversation with somebody about their story and their journey. And yes, so they'll turn it into different formats. And I think which route you go down really depends on how you think your audience is best able to digest that information. And, and of yeah. course, your audience may cover a whole range of people. So in fact, you might have one particular story that actually translates very well in audio because you happen to know your audience spend lots of time commuting on the train mm, mm. and the story is intricate and subtle and actually it probably needs 20 minutes rather than a two minute in the moment you know sound bite of a particular moment of revelation but this is a longer story where you are talking through some of the challenges you've overcome and you need that time so I think it really depends on your audience yes um yes. And probably the nature of your story that you mm. might, for one story, might generate lots of little snippets, you know, moments yes. of revelation. And another, actually, you really do need to get from A to B and you need to spend time doing it. So I don't think there's a, 
a rule of thumb that applies to everybody. I think you have to make a judgment as to what your audience really wants, whether they love audio and like listening and have got time to listen. Or it may be you do, you adopt the film trailer. You have a little snippet that trails ahead to an audio director's cut version on the website. A teaser, yes. Yeah. So you, you combine it, which, you know, I think often people overlook that you can combine a little snippet in writing and team it up with a bigger audio bit um, or combine quotes with photographs. There are any number of ways you can tell mm. your story but you just have to think about your audience and what they're going to respond best to really well miranda thank you so much it's been a real revelation talking to a real journalist <laughs> from a i'm not exactly a fake journalist but i'm a sort of an online self-taught journalist um so how can how can our listeners find out more about you and your journalistic approach to generating content I suppose um, the place where I allow myself free reign is on my blog, which is mirandabirchmedia.co.uk forward slash blog. And there I I have lots of stories, which may be people that I've interviewed at live events or people I've met over coffee or they may involve clients. You know, it's a whole mixture, but it just gives you an idea of how when you tell your story and trace your journey, you can convert it into lots of different forms of content. And there's a series I've been working on as well called Don't Dry Up, so that if you're struggling with that blog and keeping it going from week to week, year to year, um, there are just different techniques and different ways of carving up a conversation that helps you generate lots of different types of content and it could be an audio podcast it could be a little film or it could just be little snippets on twitter it's entirely up to you but there's i just like to think of it as a resource and you can just plunder it as much as you want yeah well maybe we can talk about not drying up in another episode if you're if you're game miranda well, as you notice, not drying up is one of my problems. You have to say, stop, Birch, please. <laughs> so, yes, I'd love to an answer to your question. Yeah, that, well, that would be great. Well, I'm going to dry up now because I'm going to do my, my exit. So thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, the show notes are in the usual place, site visibility.com slash podcast. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you fancy writing a review, that would be great because it helps us to grow the audience. If you want to connect with me, Personally, I'm Dr. Pod, D-O-C-T-O-R-P-O-D, on Twitter and LinkedIn. Just mention the IM podcast if you want to connect on LinkedIn. And uh, we're also looking to answer some questions from our audience in the future episodes of the podcast. So send us any questions that you'd like to answer to podcast at sitevisibility.com, and we'll aim to get those answered. And uh, we also have a telephone hotline, plus 44-1273-256-150, if you want to leave a voice message or a, a voice question. Well, that's all from me, Andy, and it's all from Miranda. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. It's been delightful. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.